everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. The question I ask you to examine yourself with today is, am I a nominal or a committed Christian? The word nominal comes from the Latin nomus, which means name. In other words, am I a Christian in name only or am I committed to the Lord? You know, when they say, oh, she's such a committed Christian, what they mean by that is she's not your nominal one hour a week Christian. Her whole life is committed to Christ. What we're going to see today is a true Christian is committed to four things. And I ask you to test yourself, see where you're at on this. Let's open the Bible, if you would, to Mark chapter 10, and let's pray first. Father, we want to pray that you help us not be Christians in name only, but truly committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you, Holy Spirit, where we need to change some things in our lives, that you will speak to us now about that. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 1. And rising up, Jesus went from there to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathering around him again, and according to his custom, he began once more to teach them. I want you to notice something. Beyond the Jordan, Jesus is now entering enemy territory. This is where King Herod rules. And uh, the Pharisees are going to try to get Jesus in trouble now with Herod. I'll look at verse 2. And some Pharisees came up to Jesus testing him, to test him. Let's stop there. What, was, what were they doing? Well, John the Baptist had just been killed by King Herod because King Herod taught, it's wrong for you to divorce your wife and marry your brother's sister. So Herod beheaded him. And now the Pharisees are going to ask Jesus, well, what do you think? And so this is a trap. Look at verse 2. And they began to question Jesus whether it was lawful for a man to divorce his wife. And he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? All right, here's the first lesson for today. The first thing a Christian is committed to is scripture. Jesus doesn't say, well, what does People magazine say about divorce. What does psychiatrists or sociologists, what do they say? No, for Jesus, the question is, what did Moses teach about divorce? For Jesus, the Old Testament, the scriptures were his highest authority. Are they for you? Does the Bible get final say? I hope you read your Bible daily, and I hope you're willing to talk about it. I had a letter to the editor printed in the newspaper giving my opinion about abortion and homosexuality. I got a phone call from a very upset woman. Pastor Brock, um, my God is a loving God. Your God is so inflexible. And I said, my God's a loving God too, but we need to talk about what the Bible says about abortion and homosexuality. Can we do that? Oh, sorry, gotta go. She just would not even for a moment think on what does the Bible teach about those issues. The first thing a Christian is committed to is the authority of Scripture. 
Look at verse 4. And they, the Pharisees, said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. All right, let's stop. What does the Old Testament teach about divorce? It permits it. It allows it. But I want you to notice something. It never says it's a good thing. In fact, it says in Malachi chapter 2, God says, I hate divorce. And the problem with the Pharisees, they interpreted tolerance with approval. Uh, For instance, is slavery in the Bible? It is. Does that mean slavery is a good thing? God never says that. In fact, Paul the Apostle writes to the slaves, if you can get your freedom, get it. But it's kind of like the Bible saying, well, this is a fallen world, and if you're going to have slaves, here are the rules for slaveholders, and some of those rules are to protect the slave. But don't confuse permission or tolerance with approval. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. Look at verse 5. But Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses wrote you this commandment. In other words, the only reason Moses allowed you to divorce your spouse is because you're so (laughs) hard-hearted. Verse 6. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall... Come and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Consequently, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. All right, we've learned that a Christian is committed to the scriptures. Secondly, a Christian is committed to his or her spouse till death do us part. Listen to these statistics. America has the third highest divorce rate of all the countries of the world. Over 40% of Americans divorce. In 1960, the divorce rate was 10%. Today, it's 43%. Get this one. Living together before marriage has gone up 12 times since 1960. Marriages preceded by living together have a 33% higher divorce rate than people who don't live together before marriage. Virgins have the lowest divorce rate of everyone, and almost half of all U.S. children will witness their parents' divorce. And let me add another troubling um, trend. Old people who shack up and live together without marriage. And well, but pastor, we're doing that so we don't lose our social security. What about losing your soul? And what are you saying to your grandkids? If grandpa can shack up with his girlfriend, why can't I, grandpa? The point is, a Christian is committed to his or her spouse, till death do us part. Now I was talking with a Christian man and he said, When I said I do to my wife, I didn't just say it to her. I said it to God. And he said, if my wife cheats on me, I'm still not going to divorce her because ultimately my vow was not just to her. It was to God himself. I think that that's what's going on here in verse 9. Look at verse 10. 
And in the house, the disciples began questioning Jesus about this again. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she is committing adultery. Now, Christian, I hope you believe those words. Um, I, I, I know a Christian woman who divorced her husband. I knew her husband. He was an ornery guy. But you know what she said? Well, Pastor Brock, yes, I did divorce him. But I, and she's talking about Mark chapter 10 here. I've looked again and again at Mark chapter 10, verse 12 here. I'm never going to get remarried. And I'm going to be single. Because that verse says, if I get remarried, I'm committing adultery. So, and she said, people in the church are telling me, now go be happy and find a new man. But Pastor Brock, I can't get around that verse. I'm going to stay single. And I said to her, God bless you. You're following the word and not the world. And if, if Jesus' words in Mark 10 don't convince you, listen to this. 60% of all second marriages end in divorce. It's 43% for the first marriage. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. Now, the question I get when I, I preach on this is, all right, pastor, I've divorced my spouse. I did get remarried. Now what do I do? Do I get unmarried? Well, I'm going to give you my opinion on this. I hope I'm right. I'm not sure I'm right, but here's the way I would counsel people. Because in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, some of you were adulterers and idolaters, but you got washed and you've come to Christ. If you've done the second marriage, I would ask God's forgiveness for that because that was not his will for you. But I would stay in the second marriage and, and keep your, your second vow now. Um, and when I preach like this, people say, well, Pastor Brock, you're making divorce the unforgivable sin. No, no, I believe God forgives divorce. One guy said, you mean divorced people won't go to heaven? I said, I'm not teaching that. But the question is, once you are divorced, what do you do? And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, and Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, you stay single. So here to sum it all up, <laughs> if you're married, stay married. If you're divorced, stay single. And that's not, being single is not a death sentence. The Bible talks about the beauty of marriage. The Bible also talks about the beauty of singleness. Jesus was single. The Apostle Paul was single. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the beauty of the single life. I'm single. I have a great life. So it can be a wonderful thing. All right, so far a Christian is committed to the scriptures, to his or her spouse. Let's look at verse 13. And they were bringing children to Jesus so that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to the disciples, Permit the children to come to me, do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belonged to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it at all. Here's the next thing a Christian is committed to. Scripture, your spouse, and thirdly, a Christian is committed to children. The problem with the disciples in this verse, they're devaluing children. But Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. We need to value children. I will tell you that I think the problem in America, if we let the children out of the womb, uh, we don't value children much. 
I was in Mexico on a bus. In Mexico, is lot, they have a lot of kids. It's kind of a Mexican country and um, a Catholic country, lots of kids. But you know what impressed me about Mexico? Is to see the way their parents love their kids on the bus or walking through a park, the kids are out in the park and mom and dad are playing with their kids. They just value kids in, in, in Mexico. In America, we kill 3,000 babies a day in America in abortion clinics. And then we send them off to daycare centers if they're born. Listen, mom and dad, raise your kids. Mom and dad, your kids need you, not the daycare center. I know a man who was offered a, a promotion and it would have meant a lot more money. But he said to me, you know, Pastor Brock, if I would have taken that promotion, I would have had no time for my wife and children. So I decided to turn it down. And I said, God bless you. Because there's a saying, some parents give children their presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, when what they need is your presence, P-R-E-N-S, Presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E. Children don't need your presence. They need your presence. What I learned in verse 15, be committed to Scripture, be committed to your spouse, but also be very committed to children. I will tell you that um, I'm from Omaha, Years ago, when I'd go home to Omaha and look under abortion in the Yellow Pages, they referred you to Colorado because the whole state of Nebraska, years ago, did not have one abortion clinic. Well, now Omaha has, has an abortion clinic, and you can tell that the man in the business next door to the abortion clinic is not happy that the abortion mill has moved in because on the side of his building, he's painted a huge mural, picture of children, that faces the abortion clinic parking lot and it says, children are a gift from God. <laughs> That's his way of trying to value children in a culture which doesn't value children. One last thing. A, a, a Christian is committed to the scriptures, to their spouse, to children. The fourth thing a Christian is committed to, church. When I hear somebody say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't feel the need to go to church. Whether you feel it or not, you're to be part of a church. Well, the Bible never says you have to go to church. Yes, it does. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together with other Christians. It, it, listen, do you go to church regularly? Do you have a church you're part of? If not, find a good church and go every week. It'll save your life. This is a true story. There was a certain man who was very committed to his church, went every week. One Sunday, he didn't show up. People are wondering, where's Joe? He's always in church. Maybe something's wrong. Let's go. Some people went over to his house, looked in the window. Here's Joe laying on his back on the living room floor. They get him an ambulance. His life was saved. Why? Because he went to church every week. <laughs> Listen, if you're truly a Christian, you're going to be committed to the scriptures you're going to be committed to your spouse. You're going to be committed to children. And if you don't have a good biblical church that you go to every week, you need to find a church and be committed to that. So sum it all up. Are you a nominal Christian in name only? Or are you a committed Christian? How are you doing with the scriptures? Do you read them? How are you doing with your spouse? Are you committed? How are you doing with children? Do you value them? And how are you doing 
regarding the church. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, in light of your sermon, could you explain the various views that pastors have on divorce? Yeah, a lot of pastors will remarry divorced people to new people three or four times. So there are three different, basically, views pastors have. One view is because of grace, yes, you can get divorced and remarried and remarried and remarried because of grace, 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 love, love, love. That's a little too sloppy agape for me. I, I, I don't see that in scripture. Second view, there are pastors, I used to be one of them, that understood the scriptures to teach that if your spouse cheats on you or deserts you, that is grounds for divorce. Well, it may be grounds for divorce, but I don't think it's grounds for remarriage. But at least those, there is in Matthew 19 an exception clause. Whoever divorces a spouse except for immorality. The question is what that means. Does that mean adultery after marriage? Does that mean discovering on the marriage night that they were fornicating? But, you know, it, it's not crystal clear, but at least those pastors are trying. In 1 Corinthians 7, uh, Paul talks about you're not bound to try to stay in a marriage when your spouse deserts you. Does that mean you're free to remarry? I don't think so. So, I, so the, uh, the very liberal view of remarriage, the only uh, view for divorce is adultery or desertion. I hold the third view that God wants you married till death do you part. And if your spouse does cheat on you, my encouragement is to forgive them. But if for some reason you got to divorce the guy, then stay single. That's where I come from. Okay, so are you making divorce the unforgivable sin then? No, I believe divorce is forgiven like all sins are forgiven. But again, the question is, once I'm divorced, what does God want me to do? And then we got to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Why did Jesus speak so strongly against divorce? I think the answer is, look at America today. So many children in families with one parent. It's, uh, divorce wrecks a kid. I mean, Jackie, you, when I was a kid, just a handful of my friends had, had divorced parents. And I can remember just the heartache of a young eight-year-old when I was eight, Anita, talking to me about her parents' divorce. Just, it really is hard on kids. But now, 43% of Americans divorce. What is that doing to children? It's hurting them. It's messing them up. So if a person is divorced, can they ever get remarried? I, I mean, what if... Yeah. What if, say, their spouse dies? Yeah, yeah. I think if you're married and you get divorced and you're going to be single, 1 Corinthians 7, uh, Mark chapter 10, then what if my spouse dies? Then am I free to remarry? I think you are. But what if your spouse gets remarried to somebody so you can never go back to them? I think you still stay single just for the sake of being a Christian witness. Yeah. So... I guess my next question is, what would God have a divorced person do with his or her mm -hmm. life? I think if you're divorced, you stay single. And I would encourage people to read 1 Corinthians 7, the beauty of the single life. You'll have more time to serve the Lord if you're single. And again, Jackie, second marriages, the divorce rate is 60% of second marriages. So don't think a second marriage is going to lead to necessarily a happy life, you know? 
Do you believe that we value children in America today or are we just taking them for granted? Well, I think parents genuinely love their children in all cultures. But Jackie, when you kill over 3,000 unborn babies a day in America in our abortion clinics, that is not valuing children. When you have children and you have them raised by daycare centers, I mean, I know some of that is necessary and I'm not condemning people, but if you have your choice, I mean, who was it? You were telling me about someone before the cameras rolled, somebody who has turned down their church job so she can be a full-time mom. If you can swing it, of course that's better to raise your kids yourself. Um, can't a person be against abortion but still believe it should be legal? You know, I have a relative who says, well, I, I don't believe in abortion, but I'm, who am I to tell anybody what they can do, so I'm pro-choice. Well, now, wait a minute. We tell people what they can do, all kinds of things in the law. And to say that I'm personally pro-life, but I'm publicly pro-choice, well, then you're part of the problem of 3,000 babies being killed every day. To me, that's not consistent. If it's a human being, it should not be killed. So is it wrong for Christians to vote for pro-choice candidates? Yes, it is. Okay. I mean, it troubles me, Jackie, when someone is a committed Catholic or Lutheran or whatever, and then you find out they vote for these candidates who are 100% pro-abortion. That's what's wrong with America. If people who said they are Christians would vote pro-life, pro-traditional marriage, anti-pornography, we'd have a different nation. But people care about their pocketbook more than anything else. Well, you've talked about being committed to the church. Is there any advice that you can give people to finding a good church? Yep, yep, and we've done this many times, Jackie. Let's do it one more time. Let's say you're church shopping, and uh, you need to find a good church because you know that you need to be committed to the church. Fourth point in the sermon. <laughs> well, you go, you go church shopping, and after church, you say to the pastor, can I just ask a couple of questions? Because I'm thinking maybe of coming here. Pastor, do you believe the Bible is the highest authority in the Christian life? Do you believe in heaven and hell? Do you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? What are your views on things like abortion, premarital sex, homosexuality? And if you get good, clear answers, that's a good church. If you get, that's rather a complex issue, <laughs> then you want another church. So just test out the, ch the church, test out the pastor. Okay. One of our listeners says they need prayer. They're born again, but they feel like the only sinner in their own their small church, and they're feeling stuck and broken, and want you yep. to pray for them. I so what her, do you? I wrote say? her back and I said, oh, "I will pray for you." But here's the trick of the devil: I go to church. Here's all these holy Christian people. And then there's me, and I'm so evil, and there's all these holy people at church. That's a trick of the devil. Jackie, I've been a, a pastor a long time. Everybody at church is broken. I mean, when you hear people's confessions, everybody at church is broken, including the pastors. So don't let the devil give you this guilt trip that you're the worst sinner on earth. Everybody is broken. Okay, question regarding Seventh-day Adventists. Yeah. Do you believe that they're a cult? Well, all right. The, the short answer is they are off, but I wouldn't put them in the cult category like I would the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. Let me tell you where they're off. They believe you have to worship on Saturday, not Sunday, to keep the Old Testament Sabbath, and that if, if you switch to Sunday, you've received the mark of the beast, 
Well, that's not what the mark of the beast is. That's nowhere in scripture. Some of them also teach you have to keep Old Testament food laws, can't eat pork, etc., etc. The reason that's off is, does that mean we have to get circumcised? That's in the Old Testament. And the New Testament never teaches you have to worship on Saturday. It never teaches you have to abstain from Old Testament uh, food laws, as foods. Uh, in Mark 7, Jesus declared all foods clean. You can eat pork. So it tends to be a very legalistic religion. But there are people, I think, that are Seventh-day Adventists that know the Lord. Somebody <laughs> told me there are two kinds of Seventh-day Adventists. There are the grace-centered ones who know they're saved by grace and not by food laws. And then there are the legalistic Seventh-day Adventists who think you're not saved if you worship on Sunday. So it's kind of a mixed bag. I think they're off, but I wouldn't put them quite in the category of the cult. Pastor Brock, one of our listeners said that they listened to a previous program where you were talking very clear about Joel Osteen. Yes. Okay, and you took his words, they think, and twisted them right yeah. out of context. Right, yeah. Because he talks prosperity, and he's also forever talking about our part and how we could go about getting our prayers answered. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the question for you that they have, isn't it a sin to pass judgment on another? They must think yeah, that that's yeah. what you were doing. Well, and so I wrote her back, so are you passing judgment on me? Because you're criticizing me. And I said, when a pastor is publicly preaching, that's fair game. Judge not, lest you be judged, does not mean that you can't be discerning when someone is, is, is promoting the prosperity gospel. I'm not saying Joel Osteen isn't a Christian. I'm not saying that a lot of the stuff he preaches isn't true. But I wish he'd preach salvation. I mean, when I see Joel Osteen preach, and I've seen him preach many times, it's all about having prosperity and how to be a victor and how to get your healing. And where's Christ on the cross? It never comes up. I heard him preach the gospel once, almost. And at the end of every show, he says, now, if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, ask Jesus in your heart, now you got born again. Yeah, but he hasn't told us who Jesus is. He hasn't told us how Jesus did uh, the redemption on the cross. It's so much fluff. It's all this positive thinking stuff. And he's got the biggest church in America. I pray for him regularly that he'll start preaching the gospel. Well, Pastor Brock, we've got about 40 seconds left. Do you <laughs> want to wrap up and now sure. that we've done all of this? Of taking... Everybody, if you're married, stay married. If you get divorced, stay single. And that's not a death sentence. You can have a great life being single. First Corinthians chapter seven. Thank you for praying for our ministry. Thank you for your support. The more money we get in, the more TV stations we add. So pray about that and you'll see the address in a minute and, or you can support us through the website. But God bless you this week and we'll see you next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study, P.O. Box 41294, 
Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.